doable. It's just for me, it's it's like a benefit and drawback scenario where I'm like, okay, maybe this one time I would use it, yeah. but then the rest of the time, I've got this stuff, these things dangling there, uh-huh. and it's like I, the plus minus on the potential versus like, or the plus uh, for the potential versus the constant minus reminder of the dangle. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Instant removal. And you want you don't want to take them out because there's going to be holes. You kind of just want a hoodie. I don't mind the out. holes. Okay. I don't mind it. All right. A uh, couple of circumstances like that where... It's because it, it showcases a customization, an alteration, like a, 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 a personal approach. Okay. If you didn't have them there in the first place, then you don't have that kind of almost like that that idea of imperfection, the idea of like the uh, worn down uh, material, like uh, and, and oh, but 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 on purpose, like not from the factory, not the company telling. You know what I mean? Not like the hole in the jean, in the fancy jeans, like yeah. the holes on the knees of the fancy jeans. It's got to be worn down by or the deci- user or decided by you yeah if you were like hey i'm gonna take and i'm gonna change that shoelace or whatever it might be it's a customization i like a customization right it's a little bit of personality it's a little bit of imperfection uh-huh like perfect what's perfect for you uh-huh which is probably perceived as imperfect by others gotcha well, that's, that's really what personalization is yeah to make it your own M- making something perfect for you by making it imperfect to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's deep. For a choosing. Like, I don't know that there's any other way of achieving that. Because the minute that you fine-tune something to that degree, it's uh-huh. by default becoming less widely acceptable. Uh-huh. It's like the niche inside of the niche inside of the niche. And but do you think it's just like pure aesthetic or is it like a functional? I like, I like when you have, oh, Mo's coming. He's running down. He's pissed right off. Here he comes. <laughs> he's lift up his pants and, and uh, like, what's going on here? Lay down the law. He's coming all the way. Because he was going to yell, but then he's like, I'm going to go there quietly and not cause a scene. But now he's obviously causing an enormous scene. Which he usually does yell. He's causing an enormous scene, taking over the entire show. I'm not sure we're going to be able to continue. I don't know. We might have to just cancel it right here. Might have to just forget about this uh, broadcast here. Yeah. But it looks like he's, it looks like Kobe's the one that's in trouble. I don't know. What did he do? He attacked Otis back there. What happened? Um, he's really invasive to Otis sometimes, <laughs> like his personal. An invasive species. <laughs> he doesn't like that, so he growls, and then Kovu's still young. He doesn't really know what's going on, so Wait, and he's who, a bigger who, dog. Who growled? Oh, he growled. Otis growled. He yeah. growled at him. Yeah, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Will just called Kovu an invasive species. Probably <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> You're pointing now? What do you want me to do? A taste test? Oh, yeah. I bought them. The sugar cinnamon? Uh, 
So it's a chip, but it's a sweet one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely like that. I'll I'll uh, I'll get there partway through the show. Okay. When uh, Will when Will gets to his uh, particular topic that he wants to. Um, well, there is one here. When he gets to his topic that he wants to manage today, which is uh, just one. I mean, near and dear to like he's prepared. Well, actually, I'm kind of surprised by all of it, to be honest. But yeah, he you're gonna feel what it's like to be uh, Will. He's gonna make sure that you can feel his presence as he uh, presents his uh, his one thing today. I'm just wondering. It's a reason to stick around. He's got a thing today. He's presenting. Yeah. Well, it's early on. He's got a thing. He's letting you know today. So. Which is good. How's your mic today? Uh, uh, it's working. The cable is connected. I still, somebody sabotaged me yesterday. Yeah. Unplug my unplug the cable. You could have been scrambling around for ages. Uh huh. If yeah. we didn't, because you, I think you saw it. Did you see it was disconnected? I think a you, little bit, a little bit. Because I didn't even see it, but it had been a little popping and crackling. It was over time, it was slow sabotage. It's like, it's like when you get poisoned to death, but it's a little bit at a time. Yeah, yeah. I heard this like little story about how to actually hurt someone really badly. Is you give them a little bit of salt at a time, and over time they just like overload on salt. This guy's trying to hurt so someone easily. really badly here, slowly. That's uh, what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's they come in investigation. It's like Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and he's like, we've discovered. Trace amounts of cyanide uh-huh. in uh, being uh, delivered in his tea mm-hmm. over time in the bottom of the tea kettle. Mm-hmm. And we have reason to believe. I sound like a good show. I'd watch that. A cyanide. Oh, I was a cyanide killer. You know, you got a little bit of cyanide over there in the apple as well, right? Right in the seed. That's why your dog's not supposed to eat the seeds. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, That's what I heard. I don't think it's enough to... I don't think it's killing anybody, but... You know, if you eat one apple seed or whatever, you gotta... Isn't that, isn't that what it really is, Will? Isn't that really the story of all of it? The slow poison? No. What do you mean? It's about... It's not about the substance. It's about the dose. You know, whether I'm talking about apple seeds or TikTok... It's not the substance in and of itself. It's the dosage. You got a little tiny micro and you can manage it. And you're like, okay, I can reset. You get the mega dose and you might find yourself at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and let me tell you something. Bottom of the ocean is deeper than you think it is. You know what? There's so much pressure at the bottom of the ocean. You're just going to, your skull is going to cave in instantaneously. Yes. The type of fish yeah. that's the type of fish that's gonna live at the very bottom of the depths of some of the deepest parts of the ocean. You know what type of crazy evolution they gotta go through so they don't explode down there? Uh-huh. As far as Well, I don't think fish live oh, the in fish, like the oh, deepest. Oh, they part. live, dude. They're translucent down there. It's like uh bacteria. They got a no pressurization bladder. Uh-huh. Well, barely, there's no skeleton going on over there. You know? They look like aliens down there. Over there, behold, the deepest fish ever filmed right there six days ago. 
So you might be you might be reading about your best friend Elon uh, Elon Tusk, but I'm I'm looking at this guy right here. That's Dude, my that, best that, friend. Yeah, that's my that best friend. Like a, like a Pokemon. Or that's something. my best friend. Actually, looks kind of cute. Well, let's not get carried away. Huh? <laughs> not finding the world deepest fish. Yeah, down in the trench. Eight thousand meters, Will. It's got a family. No, no. Well, a, huh? a little bit, but they also the thing is the bait to actually get it on camera. They're saying what's up. They gotta throw that bait way down, oh. deep down over there. Man, that's a special guy right there, deep as fish. Huh? Wait for all the dead particles to get deep enough, and yeah. there we go. Dinner time. Dinner time. Eight thousand three hundred thirty-six meters, Will. What you know about it? That's what I thought. I know that it's dark. That's what I thought, Will. And so that's the dosage that matters. You might go swimming on the surface and come out and live a normal life. Mm. But you hit yourself with the heavy dose. You swipe and scroll and tap and you don't watch the clock. You might never come back, Will. Slippery slope. You might never come back. They're going to come to me and say, where's Will? I'm saying that you didn't come back. I'm going to be like, he's right there physically, but he never came back. I got lost to the talk. He's right there. I mean, I'm looking at the the shell of a man, a guy I used to call Will. But the dose was too heavy. He didn't manage the dose. He didn't take a step back. He went too, he got too carried away. He got too carried away. Pay attention to the dose. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The dose thing, sure. <laughs> Dude, this fish is cool. Oh, you like, like my? That's my friend. I do like it. That's my guy. What's his name? It's Bruce. That's Bruce. Yeah, that's Bruce. Uh, Jenner. Oh. What are you doing over there? What? It's just a name. <laughs> Curious name. No. It's a famous name. Yeah. It's a famous fish deserves a famous name. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Adam. Appreciate it. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. in Australia where he's watching from. Actually, this fish doesn't live too far from you. Maybe you say hi for us. To Bruce. Uh, you go talk to Bruce over there. Uh, 15,000 kilometers away, 2 a.m. All right. That's a different level of commitment. Mm. Even compared to us, our commitment level sucks compared to that. Uh huh. Yeah. Tuning in at two a.m. Yeah. No, you're like Lou. Uh, I got things to do. Uh, we got a schedule here. Yeah. Community's waiting. And meanwhile, you got two a.m. going on. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. How are you feeling today? What's that supposed to mean? You good? What's that supposed to mean? No, no, nothing. Yeah. Because it's another sunny day. You know, I'm starting to feel... I'm starting to feel better right now. It's a weird thing, time of day. We were shooting videos earlier this morning, and it's so different. Oh, really? Well, like, I'm just a different person at 9, 10, 11, 12, 2 a.m. All bets are off. And you and I, we keep a relative consistency, but what happens before this... That's lesser known. 
and more dynamic. Sure. So therefore, whatever comes to the table, I really can't speak to it. I don't know. I really don't know. I just know you got to watch your dose. But do you embrace it? Or do you just be like, I'd rather shoot a little later at noon? Embrace what? Getting up? Or shooting over there? Doing it before. No, I don't. I don't. I don't mind. I'm just saying it comes out different. That's all. I'm just saying it. it like who you are, it comes out different. It's the reason you reach for a coffee in the morning and a beer in the afternoon or evening. Like it's, it's you're just, it's just different. Uh, yeah. iPhone 15 Pro models will no longer feature solid state buttons, but you just told us they were going to. Didn't you? Didn't you yeah. tell us solid state? Weren't you? So, uh, wasn't everybody jumping up and down? Wasn't everybody doing jumping jacks? Wasn't everybody doing hula hoops? Wasn't everybody doing hopscotch? According to a report, um, they've had problems with solid state buttons. Corner report. Yeah. Is that what you do now? You're uh, official? You go according to reports. Hmm. The next generation iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max will no longer feature solid-state buttons due to unresolved technical issues before mass production. According to the latest information shared by Apple analyst Ming Chi, quote, coming right at you, coming up. That's the WWE entrance. With the fireworks? Who's that? Stone Cold Steve I don't, know, I don't remember. It's Ming Chi Kuo. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what it's like. Mac rumors, the people who write for Mac rumors, they wake up in the morning. There's an email in their inbox, Ming Chi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. One day we'll see his face. He's coming on the show. Yeah. yeah we'll I, talk to him. I know you're arranging all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quo said the iPhone 15 Pro models would be equipped with these solid state buttons. He said that in October. Uh, and then two additional Taptic engines. So you were going to feel it. It's going to feel like a real button, but it's not a real button. It's a solid state button. We can all be done with buttons, actual buttons. Things get in there, dust particles. My latest survey indicates that due to unresolved technical issues before mass production, both high-end iPhone 15 Pro models, Pro and Pro Max, will abandon the closely watched solid-state button design and revert to the traditional physical button design, wrote Quo. It's unclear if uh, traditional design means that there will be two volume buttons or if Apple will still adopt the single elongated volume button, as was previously rumored. It's how you do it with the rumors. Well, you go, you know what we're going to have this year? We're gonna have a brand. We're gonna have a night vision camera. We have a night vision video camera, like Sony did way back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's gonna see in the dark, and I'm talking video. That's what's gonna happen. And I'm talking, it's gonna be green, like military style. And they're like, wait, Apple, this seems really weird what you're talking about. Uh-huh. And then you come back and you say, nah, they're not going to do that. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. No, we were wrong. They're not going to do that. They t- he takes it back. We're not going to do that. And now you get two news stories instead of one. 
Mm-hmm. You could do three. You, you could go back now. Yeah, yeah. Like, wait, wait, wait. He goes back now. Issues and he, resolved. And, and he, he, no, 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 no. He goes, my latest survey indicates a little bit of progress on the solid state. Tiny progress. Not saying. Tiny progress. Nope, nope. I looked at it again, sir. Nope. Uh, it's all done. Never mind. Um, Elder Millennial says, uh, when will Unbox Therapy release a frozen breakfast sandwich? Which is one of the better questions I've ever, ever seen in the comments of this uh, channel. Um, and you've accurately predicted what, what our, would, next, our next enterprise. What would be in it? Uh, well, I mean, breakfast, it's, it's, isn't it interesting that certain food items are associated exclusively with breakfast? Like, why is eggs? Like, eggs, they were like, nah, breakfast. And then they started the ad campaign where they're like, huh? you're weird. Eggs are only for breakfast. No, you're weird. You're weird? You don't remember that? No. no. They had an ad campaign where they were trying to convince you. It was like the egg farmers were trying to convince you that you could have eggs any time of day. Because people will only eat it at breakfast. You don't eat eggs outside of breakfast. It's rare, but yeah, you're it's right. rare. I don't really, it's rare. And then in breakfast, it's not rare at all. It's the opposite of rare. Uh huh. I don't know these associations. Maybe those farmers used to went. Yeah, they, you would go in the morning, and the hens are over there, and they got yeah. the fresh egg, and they go right to it. I don't know the origin story. Something I, I, to do with freshness. I presume. Yeah. And it gets associated with the morning. Bread in the morning as well. Freshly baked. So this is what we got to do. I mean, we can't reinvent that. I'm not going to try to give people tur- turkey in the morning. No, maybe it's some, some sort of secret sauce or something. I know something, though. Huh? I'm going to let you in on something right now. I kind of in it, don't mind turkey bacon i know it's not actually bacon it's kind of ridiculous you call it bacon it's thin this thin weird texture to it but it i don't know what it is i don't i don't mind it reason i it's an option over there uh, and i go okay let me try it somebody i don't know one of those waiters was like we can do turkey bacon and i was like all right it kind of surprised me a little bit I know it's. I know it's not bacon. Better don't get carried away over here. I mean, it looks good. Did you ever try it? I have. I don't think I've ever tried it. Okay, so that's what I'm gonna do. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a, a lean one. For those of us that are, uh, you know, ripped physique. So we're gonna do some eggs, some turkey bacon, and we're gonna do a nice little bun on there as well. Sauce. And, you know, let's do a different type of cheese because cheddar is played out. Okay. I don't know which one, though. I don't know what we're going to do over here. Hmm. Uh, Maybe something a little bit less salty. I'll do like a, like a mozzarella or something. Okay. All right, you got it? There we go. Coming to market. Coming to a supermarket near you. Yeah. For those of us that are ripped. It's called Ripped. The company is called Ripped, and it's only for ripped people, like whoever's in the community here. And you're going to go in the freezer section, it's going to say Ripped, and the box is going to be partially ripped, but it's part of the marketing. You rip them. <laughs> Every single box? Yeah, it's a pre-ripped box. It's a pre-ripped box, obviously. Yeah. No, it looks like it's ripped. It's not actually ripped, because that would be a health concern. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it's ripped. 
and it goes right next to uh, the display of Prime drinks. Yeah. There's Prime, and then there's Ripped. There's an influencer section. There's Prime, then there's Ripped, and there's the Crossover, which is a pack that comes with the sandwich and the Prime, and it's called Ripped Prime. Okay. I would go for that one. I'd give it a It's a, a combo pack. Yeah. It's an X. What about um, Mr. Beast Burgers? <laughs> you want to add that in there? He's still well? doing those? I, he seems to be more about the chocolate right now. Okay, yeah. Feastables? Yeah, he was telling people to go clean it up. Remember that? Yeah. On Twitter, he said, go clean up the chocolate already. It's a mess. He's like, hey, they're like, I don't really work there. He's like, go clean up. It's, I can't be, I can't clean up all this chocolate. Mm-hmm. Can you do that real quick? Clean up the ripped prime. Elon Musk did this interview. When was this? Like, what time did this occur at? I'm really curious about that. I believe this was really late at night. And it aired on Twitter? It aired on Twitter. And it seems late at night. But I don't know, because they're in the West Coast. Maybe, I, maybe it wasn't that late. I got the ripped version. <laughs> ripped. Um, but I don't think I can play it. Um, Why? I don't know. Like, uh, I'm kind of scared of the BBC. The BBC? Yeah. Why Why did the BBC, the BBC didn't even broadcast? It was on Twitter. Oh, no, you're right. There's a BBC watermark up there. Yeah. You're scared of the BBC, aren't you? Well, I am, yeah. Anyway, I watched some of it, about 20 minutes maybe, and I think it's like a 40-minute conversation more or less. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves this one moment where the reporter's like, you know, I was just seeing so much hate speech. God, a ton of, ton of hate yeah. speech. And then Elon goes, okay, well, give me, uh, get, uh, can you please provide me an example? And then he goes, he goes, well, I just turned it off. It's been a couple weeks. He goes, and you can't even provide me an example. And it gets a little heated. It gets semi-heated for a minute. Yeah. And then, of course, the, your usual Twitter side-to-side ping-pong ball of mm-hmm. I'm going to hit it at you and you're going to hit it at me and so they say oh uh, look and he got stunned uh, look at Elon owned Elon owns Elon owns him Elon just owned the BBC uh-huh. <laughs> this guy represents the BBC owned yeah. got owned did you think it was um, ripped? What was it? He got owned. He got owned by ripped Elon. Oh, geez. Elon's looking a little ripped over there. He's wearing the tight. Yeah. He says. He goes. I. I. I, I think you don't. You don't know what you're talking about. I think you don't know what you're talking about. And the guy's like, Oh, oh. So like, this is not about me. Yeah. It's funny. The reporter. Uh, relationship with the person how they how they it's this is not about me it's such a not a conversation it's weird Hmm. they got the phone there with the questions and everything has to fit into that format and you can't ask the questions back and every time he does it's weird and he, he goes are you asking me and he's like yes obviously i'm asking you yeah and this dynamic just for some reason seems antiquated. 
Like, I would like to hear the other guy answer. I don't know why. I just feel in a dialogue, it's more captivating and dynamic. I realize he's not there for that. And the BBC didn't send him there for that. But why not? I agree take, with Take you. a natural kind of crack at it. Yeah. Like, he, he was supposed to be a reporter representing on behalf of BBC. But it doesn't mean that he can't have his own opinions and be honest about it. A person? Yeah, just being a person, a guy on Twitter. But he didn't want to present himself as that. It's such an easy conversation to have, too. Like, I was sitting there thinking, okay, my For You feed, for an example, for some reason, is exploding with fight content, violent content. Okay. And that, to me, is a little bit less open to interpretation as, like, let's say, hate speech. Which is, uh, that seems to be the target everybody's so captivated by. That's the key word. I'm like, no, actually, Elon, it's just in my for you. It's like a lot of fights. Okay. I mean, and whether or not, like, Elon said something that I kind of loved in there. Uh Not all of it, but he said something, because, you know, it's eh, something about these exchanges, the way they're set up. uh, They should just come over here, sit on the couch. Like, everybody relax. Just relax. Like relax, we're all, we are just talking. Yeah, like, relax. they're they're stools without armrests. Brutal, brutal it's setup. Very intimidating. Then there's a couch right over there and better <laughs> chairs right over there. Yeah, yeah. brutal. Like I don't know if yeah. they want to make it uncomfortable or whatever it is. Anyway, See, look, look at him. He's very uncomfortable. Oh man, it's so uncomfortable. It's all. I just want to see some comfort for some clear thinking, some comfort. Um. Anyway, that's what that would be simple. Uh, to, but it, but there's something that Elon said where he was like, "We want to maximize the number of, or minimize the number of regrettable hours." And I was like, "That's exactly how I perceive the problem with social media, is in those exact terms, regrettable hours." Mm. What was your? What were you left feeling? It's the reason I've been critical of just TikTok, not TikTok. China spying TikTok, but just like the actual app and the way it operates and sort of how it massages you and that just the behavior that it seems to encourage, mm. which then leads to you're putting it down and it feels like a regrettable experience. Like you feel bad about it mm-hmm. instead of good. And I, I'm, I can't, it's so hard to pinpoint why that's the case. And some people say, well, you got to train your algorithm more. And I will say, in some of my exposures, it does seem a little bit better than it did when I first opened it. But why do you have to train? It should be organic, right? And why, yeah, like, why is the initial, why is the initial or the generic experience as harsh as it is, because I feel, depending on how uh, easily you influ- are, how easily influenced you are at the time in which you find yourself with that exposure, maybe then you begin to gravitate towards these things because of whatever age group you belong to, or like this is all kinds of other questions. But regrettable hours, or, re- or regrettable time, regrettable minutes, regrettable. I wish I didn't see that click on that i wish i wasn't a part of it versus the alternative which is unregrettable like at the end of it you're you're, damn okay that was cool or that was good or i feel i I retain something from that i think a lot of it has to do with retention and attention span attention span retention Mm -hmm. as the attention span diminishes the ability to 
retain diminishes and therefore the chaotic feeling associated with that gap of time that you can't really pinpoint how it was spent leads to a chaotic feeling upon exit which then i think for many people elicits that sort of regrettable uh categorization that was regrettable oh like why why was it regrettable what can how can we pinpoint what was regrettable was it one particular clip was it an overwhelming feeling is it a lack of ability to retain or to know exactly what you were involved in what you watched would you be able to tell people and describe it or was it just an onslaught on the attention so he says try to minimize regrettable hours and i gotta be honest elon I'm going to be honest with you, Elon. I find myself having regrettable hours on Twitter. And as hard as it is for me to scroll past a fight content where they're like, guy gets knocked out, vicious elbow, and then I'm kind of like hovering on it because obviously there's intrigue there. I'm like, uh, but then regret. Intrigue, regret, intrigue, regret, a a regret cycle of falling into a trap for some piece of content that doesn't seem to have any redeeming characteristic. Hmm. Do you think it's gotten worse? Like over the past couple of months or? I don't know. I want to ask the chat right now if anybody else is having the same experience because maybe it's exclusive to me on the for you. Maybe I watched one too many of these things. And, and that's the part, too. Like, how do I un- reprogram? What am I doing now? I got months worth of reprogramming going on. Or maybe it's some sort of paid move where you have to actually pay for the premium and then somehow you get less of that. And then you actually just get the tweets that you, f- uh, the people that you follow. Yeah, everyone's agreeing with me. Yeah, the algorithm with the fights. People are saying even if I create an alt account. It uh, starts with a fight. Yeah, I know. It's really weird, man. It's really weird. And don't you dare look at it for a second. Like, I don't know why this guy didn't give these examples. I don't know if he actually uses Twitter. I don't know what the deal was. But there's plenty of examples of this going on. He could have said, like, political back and forth, which ultimately just leaves you with a negative sort of sour taste is just conflict in general mm-hmm. which isn't the same necessarily as hate speech and i think this is the problem with the language and stuff it's just like yes you can say something that's hateful fine but it's more what is the how is the average person leaving the platform when they do put it down are they doing life better are they are they feeling motivated what is how would a person describe it i don't know how many focus groups you need to do but how would a person describe their experience on Twitter? What words would they use to describe an experience on Twitter? Uh-huh. Would they say novel? Would they say delightful? Yeah, there should be service. I don't know. Would they? Yeah. I don't know. I doubt it, at least based on my personal experience. Kind of like how YouTube does it, where they have like a little survey box once in a while about a particular video maybe, maybe the best just on a twitter you know somebody here in the chat just says sorry to cut you off they say if my algorithm strays away too often i'm closing the app maybe that's the best indicator you can send yes but this guy brad he is kind of aware of like this is something that he shouldn't watch or it's not him 
um, or he doesn't have any interest in it. Some people just kind of doom scroll and just keep going. Here we have a couple comments. Social media in general is is depressing, not just Twitter. It's pointless, all anger. Like, do we want to see other people's anger? Even if it's hard to click away from it, it's like you can't, it's hard to look away from an argument it happening in real life. And it might take you a while to exit that because it's captivating temporarily. I've been off Twitter solely because of those fight videos. Mm. <laughs> Energy draining, if you ask me. So uh, here's your feedback, Elon. And I, obviously you're not going to see this, but this is where this guy, I'm like, if he doesn't have to be only reporter mode, he can actually supply some feedback here. Yeah. Which is why the Twitter spaces could have been better. I think that one of the problems, though, is once Elon's sitting there, I don't know if people get nervous or if it's the fan base or whatever it is. Well, there's a particular part in the interview where it's actually after the interview. The interview is about like an hour where Elon decided to just take questions from Twitter. And this this interviewer, this por uh, reporter didn't want to talk about it. He's just like, I I'm done talking. This part, this portion, like it's over. And just kind of like stonewalled him. Yeah. Like it, it was, and there was like five minutes left, you know, of, of Elon asking his own, uh, just answering. But he didn't want to participate. And, and I presume that there is some sort of traditional journalism tactics or even even ethics where you're really not supposed to make it about yourself and particularly when you're working on behalf of a publication that your job there is inquiry like similar to i guess detective work where you're not supposed to really insert yourself into the thing but you wouldn't do that <laughs> i wouldn't do what like just just have like a q and a you would want to talk to Elon to try to like. Oh, if I'm him, I know, but I'm not a journalist. But I'm anecdotes. not a journalist. I'm not a. You know, that's exactly what my point yeah. is. I didn't go work at the BBC, and I didn't. I'm not surrounded by people that uh, would hold me to some kind of standard. Uh, so, like, and this is where things sort of seem to fall apart. Actually, this exchange right here seems to be what what exactly the divide is. Is that some people want the internet to just to, to be people talking to people, and some people want to have institutions in there, and or some, I mean, some people want to have both. But you can see how hard it is for institutions and people to interact, and where you run into walls, mm -hmm. communication walls, where hey, that's not the rules of right now, or it's actually not two-way. And I think, like, when technically speaking, when I think of Twitter, it just the dynamics of send a tweet, limited characters, uh, language in general, and, and, and the lack of, re of resolution associated with communication, like you don't see the person, you can't hear their tone. It's just a perfect place, as it's currently... As it currently exists, it's a perfect place for misunderstanding. And it's a perfect place for miscommunication. And that's frustrating. And I don't think it's, it's delightful for a lot of people who engage with it. Mm. Now, I have had delightful experiences. I've had even almost communication errors where I was like, I don't think... I said to somebody, and I don't remember who it was. This was a while ago. I said to somebody on Twitter, I had spent like a few moments there and I was kind of getting, feeling like I was 
being pulled into the depths of this conversation. And was I said, it a negative? Yeah, it was. It was. It was some. I don't remember what it was, but I responded with saying, "I don't think this forum is the best place for this conversation." And the other individual responded by saying, "You know what? I, I respect that," or something along these lines. And I was like, "Whoa, maybe we can get to a place of understanding that we don't have to do this stuff. We don't have to perceive this forum." as being the be-all and end-all, and we should probably all become more aware of its limitations and the places in which it pushes us towards feelings and frustration that may not be there if we had the rapport, Mm -hmm. if we had the full resolution of conversation and communication. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, this, this is not it, right? Like this interview... Or maybe it's just. The I think reporter. they. Could, I think they could fix it. I think they could come back and do a part two. I think. Uh, I, I. I'm sorry. The reporter's name we should know. He's on Twitter as well. Uh, Jack Kamen, I think. Uh, James. James Clayton. <laughs> what did you say, Jack Kamen? <laughs> sorry, buddy. James Clayton Five. Yeah. And I, I presume he's getting a lot of action on Twitter right now. Based in San Francisco, so they could do it again. And maybe they could do it again in a more casual setup. Maybe they could do it again in almost like a podcast formula. Or uh, or com- just do it on Twitter spaces. No, I would think they should be see Video? each other in person. In person. Yeah, they're yeah. both in San Francisco. Yeah, sure. And maybe even outside the BBC label. Maybe just with a little bit more freedom and casualness to it. It, then we might get a better flow that leads to more insight because something about this formula is painful. Yeah. Something about this communication formula is is difficult to engage with, and I think therefore people end up taking less away from it. And it and it does. It's inherently confrontational, and then it inherently leads to you just got owned. You're owned. Everybody's owned. You suck. And okay, all right. Well, there goes that. Mm-hmm. Man, I love the interest in the Tupperware topic. You better have it today because there's a lot of people asking about this Tupperware topic, and I feel like. I'm one of those people. Okay. So you better have it. All right. It's near the end. All right. Jeez. I think you should have, you should have been the first story, actually. Oh. I've never had so many people request a particular story. And maybe there's probably conspiracy theories, probably something to do with Balenciaga, I'm guessing. That's probably what Tupperware's problem is. Gotcha. We'll get there. Don't worry, people. We're going to get there. This Chinese electric supercar can drive on three wheels and jump in the air. That's what I need my car to do. Huh? That's pretty cool, eh? I just need to jump a couple of, uh, like, there's a speed bump, like, boop, boop. It's like a video game. Yeah. A couple of inches. I'm not sure. What, what do they claim is the reason for that? Why um, Why it would want to jump? I think it's just a random cool factor. The company is called Yang Wang, and it's BYD's luxury electric sub-brand, and the U9 is its first supercar, battery power, uh, battery power and performance specs should be revealed next week, but BYD smartly revealed this trick suspension system first, as it's far more interesting. Sick. All right, play the clip. This is pretty cool. Driving car looks sick. 
song is predictable, futuristic. What? Look at that. What? Huh? Hey, hey, wait a second. It's lacking one tire. The front passenger side uh, wheel and tire is missing, and yet it's still stabilizing itself, showcasing a real tricky suspension situation. Yeah, and it's really low to the ground. Even if one wheel is taken off, the vehicle equipped with Dysus X still showcased its ability to dance, jump, and drive. I don't see the dancing and jumping. But... You don't? You don't? That's what I see. That's uh, how I dance. That's how I dance, Will. I don't know. I, I what what I, is and what is the the purpose of this? Maybe you have a flat tire and you maybe, don't gotta worry about it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess some you don't. really weird scenario. The suspension can raise or lower the car at each corner independently, but if it raises each corner quickly, the kinetic energy is enough to jump the U9 an inch or two off the ground. If you're wondering what the practical application for a hopping car is, stop being a square. It's just cool. This is the language of the drive.com posting the article. Uh It's cool. I think it's a showcase of how dynamic their suspension system is, essentially. Uh To say, like, look, if the thing can jump an inch off ground or drive with just three wheels, then it means we have all kinds of capabilities to stabilize and smooth out rough roads and whatever else. But, yeah, here it is. This is more dancey, but they're also kind of putting it in shadows and stuff. and. Suspension looks sick. Car looks sick. All right. I want more electric cars that look like this. Sure. And it's a really cool looking car. Yeah, it looks sort of like a Corvette Meta. um, uh, What? What is it? What is it like combined with? It looks a lot like the recent Corvette. (laughs) Looks funny. (laughs) The way that it's like just bouncing. Bobbing about? Well, those cartoon cars did that in cars. Oh, there's the jump. yeah, yeah. Boom. Oh, and slow-mo. That's sick. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I don't care. We don't need a reason. We're just going to do this. A jumping pro- car. Imagine in yeah. the in the parking lot. Just like, hey, man. I'm going to just jump my car right now. The guy's like, what are you talking about? And you're like, my car? I'll just jump it like a few inches off the ground in one position. Bet you a hundred bucks. Can your car do that? Huh? I'll bet you a hundred bucks. They're like, okay. <laughs> sure, bud. Okay, and then just hopping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Thieves are now stealing cars via a headlight can injection. A new complicated way to steal a vehicle. Just stop, stop stealing a vehicle. Stop stealing. Stop at the steal. Stop at the steal. But car. with headlight. Yeah, that's scary. Car thieves have come up with yet another way to steal your car. This one's rather creative, referred to as headlight hacking. But as Dr. Ken Tyndall of Canis Automotive Labs describes in his extensive and technical blog post, it's a bit more complicated than that. The method of the theft begins at your car's headlight module, but the only reason thieves have chosen this point of entry is because it offers them the easiest way to get hooked into the vehicle's CAN bus system. The CAN bus system of the vehicle is a method by which the numerous ECUs uh, throughout a modern vehicle could communicate with each other. Thieves are using this central nervous system to their advantage by executing their attack, re- referred to as can injection. So there's a capability then of integrating with uh, uh, transmitting and receiving data and therefore reprogramming and blah, blah, blah. I'm driving your Toyota RAV4. Mm. The vehicle used an example is a current generation RAV4, but it's vital to note that the vulnerability is not specific to any particular OEM or model. It's an industry-wide problem at the moment. Thieves are pulling bumpers and trim pieces away from vehicles, which allows them to access the CAN bus near the headlight connector. Much of a vehicle's CAN bus systems will be found hidden deep inside of a car. 
But since modern headlights are so smart these days, they require their own ECUs, boom, into the electrical system. Mm-hmm. Booyah. A simple play button on a fake JBL speaker injection tool is programmed to instruct the door ECU to unlock the doors as though you have the actual key to the car in your hand. You turn the vehicle on in a similar fashion, and a thief can simply drive away with your car without ever coming into contact with the vehicle's actual key fob. Yeah, increasingly, they don't even need the key fob. They don't need to relay the signal from the key fob. They just uh, need to plug in somewhere. Detach your horn beforehand, maybe. Ugh, I'm such an expert in this at this point. It's That's unfortunate. But I'm, I'm with you, random username. Sick and tired of people stealing cars. I'm also sick and tired of it. Yeah. There's just better things to do. Uh, I got to believe. I got to I got to believe. Like you could go on Twitter and yell at people, you know? Mm-hmm. Or you could go on Twitter as Elon says and have a bunch of unregrettable hours. Good luck with that. Yeah. Unregrettable hours are so hard to come by in the form of entertainment. And imagine if it happens every day. What? Regrettable hours. It does happen every day. It does, yeah. 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 So, yeah. But, like, don't you feel like actual experiences in life, relationships, things like this, are far more often the ones that are not regrettable? They're not the things that you regret. And then, uh, so much more often, entertainment and all these other things competing for your attention that work and get your attention, they become the regrettable ones. It's so rare to have a truly unregrettable entertainment experience. Extremely rare. And whether you don't even want to call it entertainment, because entertainment in and of itself often feels regrettable. It's like, feels like you have to be learning or retaining something. And then you're like, you know what? I don't really regret that because that feels useful to me. Like usefulness and regret. There seems to be some sort of correlation there or lack of regret. Study mixes ChatGPT with The Sims to a delightful effect. You just decided to find that word delightful because it's been a core topic. That's a really key term that I look for. Watch an interactive day in the life as AI-powered sprites interact for memories and pursue their individual goals, including a Valentine's Day party. Yeah, it's a Stanford experiment, and it's in collaboration with Google. Is this your is this your moment? Well, I read into it. This is your moment. Because it was actually a fan submission or audio Go ahead, Will. Go ahead. Okay, well, it's a, it's an experiment where it's kind of like Big Brother. You put these AIs who have their own attributes into um, a dorm room kind of setting and just let them loose. Let them do their thing. They can go to the washroom. They can eat. They can sleep. They can socialize. They can invite each other into like different scenarios. Like in this case, they this experiment ran, I think, for like two days, and it was like um, like a Valentine's Day uh, event that one person held, or one well, one robot held, or AI, and then started asking other AIs to kind of like come over and like have this event together. And it's really interesting because you can like go through this experiment and see all the AIs, like what they're doing, what they're thinking. Um, And it's in like this little, they have like their own houses kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. 
I can totally see this in the future where like certain AIs that you can kind of root for, like kind of like in a sim situation and you watch it like entertainment, right? Like who falls in love with who or who has beef with who, you know what I mean? It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's like, I mean, it's like a lot of uh, other areas in which we imagine AIs are replicating human scenarios. This is kind of uh, funny or cute because of the, the way the it's like art is. sprite. Art. Yeah, it's the way the art is. But it doesn't really matter what the art is. You have to see past it. It could be models that look exactly like humans. And if they... If the understanding of human behaviors is enough, then sure, you could have all types of random drama unfold. Yes, this is exactly why they made this experiment, is because they want to see how, like, in a, a scale, scalable kind of, like, scenario, um, what humans would do. Right. Trying to emulate through AI. Um, there's a really particular scenario where one AI wanted to run for mayor, and then that's, that's the... That's, what it was told and then the ai actually had to like go to the different houses and ask for their support and then it kind of worked but imagine if you kind of scale it to like you know a million ai or like you know millions and then see how it unfolds right yeah it's it's kind of cool how you know like these training simulations could be used for real world scenarios these uh sugar cinnamon crisps you like them pretty good okay pretty like we're talking about the future i was AI wondering if it was gonna be like potent it's very subtle it's yeah. subtle it's much more subtle than i thought it was gonna be and i like that mm -hmm. so sugar cinnamon crisp i don't know give it a crack it's a it's a corn chip with uh, uh, some cinnamon, obviously, a little bit of sugar and a little bit of salt. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good time. It's a bit of a party. And especially when you get to listen to Will's big moment and you kind of get to have a couple, you have a couple cinnamons as well. Create, uh, that would do it. Well, it creates, I mean, there's an atmosphere going on. Yeah. And I know you talked to me before, like you wanted me to get out, your, get out of your way on this topic. So it created, it set the, set the stage. Yeah. I mean, you, you, well, I, I'm glad you gave me the stage. Yeah, well, I mean, um, if we're going to have a conversation beforehand and you're going to request that I uh -huh. you know, get, out, get out of your way uh -huh. and you come in here and you steamroll like that. Yeah. I'm going to get out of your way. I'm going to give you the floor is yours. Yeah. This one took me by surprise. Actually, just reading through... Um, because I could totally see it in some sort of entertainment fashion. Mm -hmm. You have like AIs that you root for and then you watch them be in like a big brother house and then have them AI, like, you know, interact with each other. I think it gets really interesting when the human input is minimized and all of a sudden it's just the randomness of AI proliferation. AI making more AI and then kind of random effects of that given a, a rule set that applies to all of them instead of taking one particular AI and say this is the way you're going to interact I want you to do X mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or even the ways in which the current language models have 
the degree of human influence that they do. Mm. I, but I, I mean, that's obviously, that's the new frontier. That's the, the big thing is the AI thinking on its own. The AI. The terrifying yeah. proposition for most. Um, NVIDIA, oh, by the way, people think you did a great job there. Okay, thank you. 100% yeah. better than the time that Lou had to go pee. Oh, way better. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was like, AI, huh? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. You just, you just dive below the desk line? You're just yeah. hiding physically? NVIDIA announces $599 RTX 4070, available April 13th. Good Lord. We need to sell off some of those old GPUs, Well. Yeah, it's holy time. cow, five nine nine. That's not bad at all. That's going to be the value one, isn't it? Isn't that going to be the one you want? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's going to be the one you want. Nvidia's latest RTX forty series GPU is designed to beat the RTX thirty eighty at fourteen forty p gaming, uh, making its new RTX forty seventy graphics card official today after weeks of leaks. RTX forty seventy will be available April thirteenth. Price starting at five ninety nine. For NVIDIA's own Founders Edition model, NVIDIA is pitching the RTX 4070 for 1440p gaming at more than 100 FPS with ray tracing and the company's latest DLSS 3 upscaling tech enabled. I honestly, built on NVIDIA's uh, Ada Lovelace architecture, 12 gigs GDDR6X instead of the 8. Uh, I don't even actually know if that's a good price. When the 3070 came out, what was the starting price? Do you remember? Because because the prices were so inflated back then at that moment it was four, it was four ninety nine all right I just never saw them for four ninety nine because it was crazy back then yeah over a grand it was four ninety nine U S so obviously I was seeing the Canadian price and this is five ninety nine U S it's, it's so the sticker price is more but the crypto craze has chilled but just as the crypto craze chills the AI craze goes bananas. And then I don't know what's going to happen with availability and, and the actual prices people are going to be paying, but it was wild last time around. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll end up that way this time around. The bump to 12 gigabytes of VRAM is welcome, but NVIDIA could have gone further here, particularly as the latest games at 1080p and 1440p are now starting to eat up 8 gigs or more. Mm-hmm. AMD laid out why more memory matters on GPUs earlier this week ahead of NVIDIA's announcement. Quick to point out how it shipped its RX 6800 with 16 gigs of VRAM more than two years ago. So, of course, AMD's got to get in there and say more memory matters. Yeah. about the memory? NVIDIA didn't give you the memory. We're going to give you the memory. Or better. Oh, you said it. I didn't say that. You said it. So, I don't know. I mean, people, you guys can tell me in the comments if uh, this is reasonable given 2023 prices, inflation. And, and what games are you If there's actual availability... Are you happy with 100 FPS, 1440p gaming for $599? i am curious. But what about the games? Are there games that would support it? Actually, I watched um, Digital Foundry's YouTube channel where they showcase RTX, like real RTX in Cyberpunk recently with like ray tracing. It was super impressive. But how many games are that demanding at this point? To be able to, you know, use a 470 RTX graphics card, like, to the fullest extent. Apparently Linus was not happy. He says uh, this one is beat by the 3080. Well, that doesn't, I mean, this is a 70, not an 80. 
I guess you got to look at prices of previous generation 3080s and do your comparison and whatever else. Or just buy like a used 3080. We got a couple of those, though. Yeah. We'll hook you up. <laughs> well, we can hook you up. Uh, anyway, listen, I, I don't know. I don't know what the hype is like at the moment, and availability is going to be key, but April 13th. What is that today? It's available now? Mm. What happens if you go to try tomorrow. to order it? Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, tomorrow we'll find out what the real demand is, how quickly that thing moves off of your favorite websites. Sure. No longer becomes available. Mm -hmm. Sony is gearing up for a new cloud gaming push amid rumors of a PlayStation handheld. The Q Lite rumors might make more sense when you consider this. When I consider what? Google Stadia is dead. I guess so when I consider opportunity. It looks like Sony may seriously care about cloud gaming again despite a recent round of layoffs. Sony is currently hiring 22 roles. Ah, that's your indication. They are looking to hire people to, in quotes, develop and deliver the strategic vision for cloud gaming or cloud game streaming at PlayStation. Continuing with the request for uh, resumes, are you a groundbreaking innovator in the cloud streaming product space? Then you likely agree that cloud gaming is on its way to becoming a major part of the gaming industry. Will, are you a groundbreaking innovator in the cloud streaming product space? Is that you? I wouldn't say so. No, Although no. I feel like all the Stadia people are taking up this job. You calling them groundbreaking? Yeah, I would say so. Mm. NVIDIA's probably got a couple of them because they were doing, what were they sure. doing? They were doing, uh, what is their game streaming platform? I can never remember the name of it. NVIDIA, uh, GeForce Now, here's an idea, why don't you come and play some GeForce Now? Now? Like you mean like right now? No, it's the name of the product, now. No waiting, play, you know what's better than playing later? Play GeForce Now. G-Force. Yeah. People well, they, like it. People like it. It works pretty good. Actually, Stadia worked pretty good until they were like, we don't want to be doing these games. This stuff is hard, man. Yeah. They were like, they, they, they started to realize they were a PR disaster around the corner. They're mm -hmm. like, game studios, building games. Everyone hates us. Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. Building games is hard. I actually put an article in today, though, about how AI is going to do it anyway. It's already starting to lop up all those jobs. Oh, boy. AI imagines a Renaissance architecture as footwear. There's a separate AI article. A lot of AI talk today, so be warned. There's a lot of AI talk every day. It's the hottest thing in tech, dude. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's just so creative. Uh, this is very, very cool looking. Uh, extremely impractical, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Like, just... You can't imagine actually having to wear something like this. And even if you did wear it, which maybe you could. I don't know how, how they're printing this or what it's made out of. I mean, it's just an image at the moment. Uh, these AI images have this tremendous bokeh going on for the depth of field. It's great. Like, you have three stages here. I look at this AI image. I go, okay. You got the boot in the front, and then you got the slight focus fall off to the secondary heel on the next boot over. And then you got the heavy uh -huh. focus drop as you move towards the... It just appears really background. 3D. 
Almost like a render. Envisioned by AI artist Strange Thing, the footwear, which range in variety of styles, capture architectural and artistic expressions and details from Renaissance architecture. The results, is abs- the results are absolutely stunning, even though impractical. Well, they said impractical, too. I feel better now. They are stunning. I don't know why that seems so cool to have a house or a castle on your foot. I don't know why that's a thing that... They kind of look 3D printed. We want. Look at the imperfection here. That little, like, sure notch. All right. Yeah. The heel looks kind of flimsy here. I'm scared. I'm concerned. But I don't sure. know. You could, you could, you could picture me. Huh? Maybe. Maybe. Bad. Everybody's reimagining everything through the lens of AI because you can yeah. quickly it's like, can we do this? Spit out examples and fine-tune it and it's just a giant experiment going on right now and this may inspire some people in the real world to actually approach something like this it's definitely going to catch your eyeballs i'll tell you that the fact that it looks that has one color it's um it looks really royal and like uh one of a kind balenciaga very yeah (laughs) look at this one uh, once you discover Balenciaga, you realize that joining Balenciaga is the only Balenciaga possible. Yeah. This one looks better. Possible? Rain boots? Plausible? Yeah. Practical? I, I like that one. Come and join us at Balenciaga. Well, the double. Yeah, it means crazy stuff, man. Very cool. Thirsty AI. Training ChatGPT required enough water to fill a nuclear reactor's cooling tower. Study find wolf. Water cooled? Their yeah. units are water cooled? Sick. An average user's conversational exchange with ChatGPT amounts to dumping a large bottle of fresh water out on the ground. New research says an average user's use hmm. is a bottle of water. Whoa. Uh, popular large language models like OpenAI's ChatGPT and Google's BARD are energy-intensive, requiring massive server farms to provide enough data to train the powerful programs. Cooling those same data centers also makes the AI chatbots incredibly thirsty. New research suggests training for GPT-3 alone consumed 185,000 gallons or 700,000 liters of water. An average user's conversational exchange with ChatGPT basically amounts to dumping a large bottle of fresh water out on the ground, according to the new study. Given the chatbot's unprecedented popularity, researchers fear all those spilled bottles could take a troubling toll on water supplies, especially amid historic droughts and looming environmental uncertainty in the U.S. Hmm. What are they going to do? They're going to have to build these things deep in the ocean or something? How are you going to cool these things down? What are you going to do? Um, space. <laughs> okay, you either blast them up yeah. or blast them down. Yeah, it would have to be in the ocean somewhere. You can go visit my friend Bruce down there at the bottom of the trench. I I don't think you're going to want to have a mishap down there because then you get spill problems, Uh contamination. It's tough, Will. You need containment. How how would you cool it off? Like, and they need some sort of like recycling program to bring this, just bring the same water back around a loop. Yeah. But also take out the heat. The authors found the amount of clear fresh water required to train GPT-3 is equivalent to the amount needed to fill a nuclear reactor's cooling tower. Huh. The latest supercomputer, which requires extensive cooling apparatus, contains 10,000 graphics cards and over 285,000 processor cores. 
giving a glimpse into the vast scale of the operation behind artificial intelligence. That huge number of gallons could produce battery cells for 320 Teslas, or put another way, ChatGPT, which came after GPT-3, would need to drink a 500 mil, mil, milliliter water bottle in order to complete a basic exchange with a user consisting of roughly 25 to 50 questions. So GPT-3 needs to drink a water bottle. <laughs> it's so weird when you see it drink. in these, when you say it in these terms and these words. Like, imagine all the other industrial equivalents. Like, uh -huh. your shoe drinks this many liters of water in uh -huh. extracting those materials. Or when you eat that cinnamon chip it that chip needs to drink whatever and you're just like because almonds people were talking about almonds growing almonds during the drought and then bees and it's yeah. like a thousand liters of water to yield one almond every everything costs something there's to a, some to someone somewhere there's a, yeah there's a cost no freebie over there U.S. So. Copyright Office, AI-generated works are not eligible for copyright. I had another one about record labels actually now chasing Spotify and Apple Music and things like this. Uh, it is about to be a gigantic disaster trying to regulate this thing or litigate this thing or whatever. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, they're not eligible for copyright, which means they can get used and reused and reused and used and reused. And the remix on top of the remix just gets more remixed. Yeah. And in this particular case, I think it was, we talked about it, where like um, a comic book was just purely AI generated, at least the images. Um, and this is not eligible, I guess. It makes sense to me. So can't copyright that no it'd be like it'd be like you trying to copyright all those kanye country songs you've been listening to mm -hmm. they'd be looking at it saying well, wait a minute this is you train the voice based on this the songwriter and the melody belongs to this it's just so hard what is what what belongs to who a human may select and or arrange ai generated material in a sufficiently creative way that the resulting work as a whole constitutes an original work of authorship or an artist may modify material originally generated by AI technology to such a degree that the modifications meet the standard for copyright protection. This is a statement in favor of such things. Mm -hmm. so I, I don't know. It's not straightforward. It's, it's, it's not easy because, you know, you and I talked about famous uh, instruments sampled and then replayed at a later moment and... Uh, yeah, I mean, you can obviously get into the conversation around, like, what is original? What's original? What should you be able to protect? Uh, protect? Um, and how much human intervention is going to be inputted for the output of work? How do you decide these things? Oh, scary. The copyright only protects creations made by humans. I mean, this is just the way that it's set up right now. I kind of agree, though. It's going to be an impossible thing to police. If you start saying, oh, yeah, we can cut. Imagine the degree to which all these submissions go up now that the creation itself has been expedited to the degree that it has. Mm. Like Mr. Uh, guy with the shoes over there. He's like, boom, copyright this image. Right? The guy that did the architectural shoes mm -hmm. using Midjourney. 
the, the speed at which you can produce these things means that these offices could be overwhelmed by AI-generated artwork. And then is everybody even representing the images or content or music or whatever else it is? Are they representing the AI element accurately? Are they transparent about the degree to which there's been an AI input? Yeah. Yeah. Very scary stuff. All right, this is the last AI thing that we're going to be talking about today. And I thought it was kind of cool. Okay. It's just... Uh, in this specific scenario, Leonardo DiCaprio is talking about, I believe, climate change. Um, but his voice is replaced by other celebrities. And I think it's actually pretty good. An expert, but as a concerned citizen. One of the 400,000 people who marched <laughs> in the streets of New York on Sunday... And the billions of others around the world Steve Jobs. to solve our climate crisis. As an actor, <laughs> I pretend for Robert Downey Jr. I play fictitious characters, often solving fictitious problems. I believe that mankind has looked at climate change in that same way, as if it were a fiction. As if pretending that climate change wasn't Kim Kardashian real, would somehow <laughs> make it go away. But I think we all know better than that now. <laughs> the edit? The other uh, angle. Yeah, dude, that's um that's strangely accurate. I uh, the the main thing that you end up noticing is just a quality difference. Yes. Yeah, of yeah. the recording. Uh-huh. If you could nail that, then I think a lot of these become far more believable. Uh-huh. Cuz as you transition between the two. But yeah, this you're obsessed with this kind of voice training stuff mm -hmm. you've been listening to and poor kanye uh what he gets the brunt of these ai generated things because i don't know there's something about him that like he won't take it lightly so people troll more kind of situation um and and it's just funny it's just him singing hey there delilah is uh I don't know. I think it's just kind of funny. What so? What other Kanye versions are you listening to? It's usually like funny love songs that like has your thing is like Kanye love element. song. That's your yeah, thing. It's it's yeah. It's is there any Kanye country music? I think that probably, would be probably wild. Can let's see if we can since we're on the topic. I mean, this will be the last AI thing that we do. Um, ah man, it's, it's crazy. You can upload whatever you want. There you go. Chasing you. Here we go. Okay. Uh, a cover. Sipping on some from a fifth steak. You hang shirt on that maple lamp. Slipping through the moon to the river bay. Wasn't very long past Tuffany. Damn, he sounds happy. I guess I'm yeah. still doing now. What I'm doing now. Chasing you. <laughs> wow, that's like an alternate universe, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Look at this genre. Yeah, it's all Kanye. There's so many. You think that it, it it's him because he's easy to pick on? Is that what you think? Yeah. I mean, he's also tremendously famous, and I think. And he has a very distinct voice. I think it. I think also his voice kind of. <sighs> applies well to AI synthesizers. 
because yeah. he was already it was already kind of processed in a way. Sure. That you can't tell the difference as easily mm-hmm. as maybe one that's recorded a little bit with a little bit less kind of electronic processing. Yeah. Give me one more. Give me fast car at the top. I don't, I don't even know what fast car. Or maybe I'll recognize it here. Oh, Tr- Tracy Chapman. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something. <laughs> Me myself, I got nothing to prove. Wow. And to get us out of here, been working at the convenience store. Managed to save just a little bit of money. That song's an absolute banger, by the way. I mean, that's not even close. I it's just, just fun. It's just fun because it's him. I don't know why anyone else would be like, okay. But well. you're, you you seem to indicate to me when you first suggested this that he would be pissed at this. That yeah, this would bother him. Well, he wouldn't. I don't think he would like it. You don't think he, he would wouldn't like be, it. Maybe not pissed, but. Yeah. <laughs> can I, can you make some, sure I got the name right here? There's some humor there. Can Can you make sure I got the name right here? For which? For the original artist of this song, Fast Car. Uh, I think it's it's Tracy. I just want to make sure I got it. Luke Tra- Tracy Chapman. No, it's Tracy Chapman. He, oh. he's, he covered it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I said. I had it right. Man, I can... That's a throwback and nostalgia for me. Like I, rem- I just remember when that song was a big hit, and I remember like, it coming on the radio when you were driving around as a kid or something. Yeah. And then there's Kanye covering Adele songs. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's unlimited, dude. I'm sure it's unlimited, and everybody is now thinking, oh my God, the music industry. And I'm guessing you didn't put the article in because I just added it recently, but the the music industry is now, like, uh, Universal Music Group is uh, fully going after the likes of Spotify, Apple Music. They're like, no, 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 now's the time. Right there, AI-generated songs on Apple Music and Spotify breach copyright, says music labels. So now we are in the absolute depth of it. Because the Especially, legal... Especially, yeah, music labels, when they the, don't mess around. The, all the legal stuff that's going to happen is getting kicked off right now. It reminds me of Napster, Metallica. This one seems so much more difficult to police, and it's, it's like one thing... Where they ha- where the music labels have these tremendous relationships, like the Spotify's and the Apple Music, but where you have much more user generated content, like places like YouTube. Oh my God! And the upload button is so accessible and frequent, and the likes of TikTok and Instagram, and it's just going to be impossible to police it. And that's why they had to come up with systems that started to look for melodies and all these this variety of systems to search for copywritten material. And now they've been officially asked by these record labels. And you know these companies are worried about these record labels because they're sitting there saying, well, we kind of need this music so we can keep billing our customers. And do we have to build tools now to police this? Because it's not can't be humans, so now we're gonna have to build AI to to look for and hunt down AI. Yeah, 
Ironic. There's some wild stuff. AI-generated songs are created in a similar way to AI-generated systems. ChatGPT and Bard, the systems learned by analyzing huge volumes of text, but in this case, huge volumes of voice, images, obviously, as we know, video. Uh, the Financial Times reports that UMG has emailed a number of streaming music services, including Apple Music and Spotify, asking them to block scraping of lyrics and melodies. We have become aware that certain AI systems might have been trained on copyrighted content without obtaining the required consents or paying compensation to the rights holders. This is Kanye. He's like, well, mm. how did you train these AI in the first place? It's like, oh, just scrape the content that's out there and available. But that's my voice. In these data sets, they're like, nope, content. No, I'm a person. It's my voice. Content, 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 content. And the amount of it, these people are extremely exposed on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, content publishers. The ability to train based on that is extensive. And so the, the results are going to be incredible and we just experienced it. Mm -hmm. We got Kanye singing anything. I don't know how they're going to shut it down, but the emails have been sent, and you know that's step one. Mm -hmm. uh, UMG or Sony or whatever, it's only a matter of time now before it goes and goes and goes, and then artists start to ask, and the artists start to try to issue these takedowns. And But, like, you were just on YouTube, and it's a billion of these things. Yeah, it's so prevalent. There is currently no system in place for taking this stuff down, and no... no in the same way that you can't get that content copywritten to begin with. Like we were just talking about, you can't take the AI-generated content and get a, a new copyright for it. You can't say this is original. In the same way, it's becoming difficult to attach these newly generated pieces to the original or the previously copywritten version of it, whatever the song happens to be. Yeah. You would need to have rights to maybe the master, which is impossible. This gets very complicated. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. We've said our piece, right? AI is done for today. We're on to Tupperware now, which is a story people yeah, really care about. Favorite. This is a story people really be requesting. Do you still use Tupperware for stuff? <clears throat> I don't know if I have Tupperware brand or if it's a... No, I have Pyrex brand. Okay. So the, the container is glass and the lid is plastic. I don't know. You've probably seen it. Okay, so, yeah. You might have it. Uh, it's just, because uh, with the glass, if you want to microwave it or something, you can just take the lid off in the same container, you can microwave it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So sometimes a kid might take a lunch or something, he want to heat it up. And I don't know if they say that you can, you can't be putting plastic in the microwave, right? Yeah. There's probably some fancy plastic you could do it with, but... But you don't want to do it for glass is fantastic. that many times. It gets heavy. And it gets but hot. The glass gets heavy, you carry it around. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure Tupperware probably got into glass as well. Okay. Either way, Tupperware is having some major issues. Tupperware has now issued another warning that it may go out of business completely. And this is a brand that for some reason people have, well, I guess it's like a lot of things. You have a fond, nostalgic kind of connection to it. And it's one of the few brands that created a category around its name where people would actually look at a competing product and say, oh, Tupperware is the one. Put it in a Tupperware. Uh -huh. And you're just like, you know what that item is? Like Q-tips or Kleenex. Exactly. Yeah. You just know what the item is based on the brand name. And so you never expect brands like that 
to run into such difficulties, but apparently they've been a little bit slow to adapt as a brand. They used to do Tupperware parties, actual marketing door to door. You'd have representatives uh, in the neighborhood and stuff. And uh, they struggled to move away from that model. <laughs> even something as, and I read about this, even something as dumb as using catalogs to sell things, they would use printed catalogs to reach their customers. Uh. But in this time of rampant inflation, it meant they couldn't change prices. And so they had this catalog printed at the beginning of the year, and they, all of a sudden their costs went up a lot because of whatever, COVID or supply chain or just inflation. And they couldn't, it wasn't dynamic as selling online. And then they never got onto Amazon, and they were just a little bit uh, slow in this thing. And now things have been going downhill a little bit. You see some discounts on the website here. The brand is going to exist. It's a question of if the current company as it's structured exists outside of some sort of acquisition from some other company that aims to use the brand in a different way. It's like these other brands we've seen passed around from like brands like Polaroid sure. has belonged to a hundred different companies at this point that continues trying to reimagine and reinvent how people interact with that brand. Mm -hmm. Tupperware, it might not be so drastic, but the stock has been just falling off a cliff uh, as that graph indicates over here this was yesterday that i or a couple days ago april 10th you can see a dollar 24 uh, tupperware's future is anything but sealed you like that well hmm. uh the company has now tapped bank molas and co a chicago-based law firm kirkland and ellis to look into options for its nearly 700 million in long-term debt apparently they made some deals with like big box stores some contracts around like certain inventory requirements and they just they're left holding the bag here the company stock closed almost uh, down almost 49 percent monday brutal the brand is 80 years old and uh, they're now going on amazon and target and they're trying to go into cooking gadgets click on the article just below there we needed to evolve this was actually written, I think, about a year ago, and they were already realizing at that point, this is May 6, 2022, they were realizing at that point, like, oh boy, we got to go fast here, because they saw things dipping hard, mm -hmm. and, uh, and you can see back then, the stock had plunged 40% to 10 bucks. And at the time, they were saying lockdowns in China, Russia, Ukraine, where that's like, it's crazy that that's like a year ago at this point. I guess people working from home, they wouldn't need Tupperware to bring to work or anything, right? So that might have impacted. What's crazy, if you look at 2021, 80% of the company's sales, which was still $1.6 billion, still came from direct selling channels. Tupperware parties. Like, actual, it's, that's crazy that that thing hung on as long as it did in that formula. Uh, in the digital age, after multiple years of sales declines, it became clear we needed to evolve to offer consumers ways to reach our products in the ways they choose to shop. Yeah, that changed a little bit over the past couple of years, the way that people choose to shop. I think the brand still has, like, awareness. You can see people are asking me to talk about it over here. People know what Tupperware is, so they'll find a way. The brand will find a way to stick around. They Maybe not in this current formulation.
They have an extensive catalog. Extensive catalog. Man, all these different types, collaborations with Disney. Hey, man. Different colors. Uh, hey, man. I don't, I don't mind this. It's tough to compete, though. You look at these prices. Look at that Tupperware Ultra, key, ultra Clear 2.2 liter container, oh 35 bucks. This is $200? That's, that's what I'm trying to say to you. For a seven-piece set of containers. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Oh, man. You, you go on Amazon, now you understand why it could be trouble. They, yeah. were, they were used to high margins and a totally different sales technique. Going door-to-door -door or whatever, mm -hmm. or even just selling through their website exclusively instead of having to go compete in, in places where other products are available that are right, probably going right. to be a lot cheaper. But yeah, this this stuff will surprise you. The pricing on this stuff here—you have a uh, one of their travel mugs, fifty-two bucks. They they they're pitching themselves as like a uh, premium brand over here. What the heck? Well, that's weird. Having a stock option here. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe they'll never make it again, or yeah, it's like I, hurry it, up by now. Well, it seems encouraging when it's like four left. You're like, oh, damn, let me get one. Yeah. But 124 left, I'll come back later. Yeah, I'll be back. I'll come back later. So, okay, yeah. That's it, right? Yeah, they got they went premium with it. No, that's it for now. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll follow up if they actually go under. <laughs> okay, Tupperware talk. If they actually go under. No, I mean, people listen, man. Who else is going to talk about it? Well, we're, we're the guys. Mm. We buy high, we sell low. I'm on it. Who's going to come with the Tupperware news? It's us. It's our responsibility. It goes into one. It's one of our categories. Yeah. Do, don't, don't you dare suggest that that was regrettable time spent on the internet, because it wasn't. No, now you know. not. Now you can go and so in real life, you can utilize that information. Mm -hmm. It's not financial advice, but you could utilize that information. Even if it's just in conversation, you hear about, you know, top or maybe you go talk to your grandma or something. Remember the top? Grandma, you don't know what's going on with Tupperware. Oh. You know, bridging the gap, bringing the generations together. Mm -hmm. Man builds an underground survival bunker that could withstand the end of the world. Is this new? I feel like I've seen this before. That At least that entryway. Or maybe all bunkers look that way. Mm. Is, didn't Mr. Beast go here? Really? In a I video? I don't He went to a bunker that looked almost exactly like this. This is where uh, we host Lou later, right? It's, uh, no, we're, deep, we're further down than that. Oh, okay. A lot of those floors look identical. They look like hotel rooms. And then, what is it, waste at the very bottom down there? Yeah, I'm guessing these are just like apartments. Or maybe waste would be at the very top. It's an interesting thing to consider. Because the smell? Uh, uh, this person, Larry Hall, ex-government contractor... Ready for anything. He is the proud creator of the survival condo underground bunker, capable of withstanding the end of the world. Um, this is in Kansas, and if the apocalypse happens, it won't. he won't be bothered by it. Well, I guess it still depends on what type of apocalypse. It's just tough to really do much with it in the meantime. Yeah, this looks a lot like the place that Mr. Beast visited. This is not bad. Not bad. You got to have fake windows made of displays, yeah, yeah. So you don't really. It seems like there's a lot of light. Yeah, a lot of recessed lighting in the ceiling there. There's a rock climbing wall, ping pong. Uh, so different activities you can do. Some people are turned on by this idea. The yeah, there's uh, there's a subsect of people. 
I don't know, some some, some kind of well, I don't uh, blame survivalist them. element and then being prepared or ready for anything, a squirreling away your resources, self-sufficiency, and all these things. It's cool, no doubt. Uh, it's just, I think it's unfortunate you could put all this effort and energy into something that you may never get to utilize yeah. in the way it's intended. But who knows? There's a lot of things in life that are like that. Uh-huh. It may, that might be the definition of a man cave. The pool area looks a little liminal. It does, eh? <laughs> it does. Oh, wow. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. All, right. All right, last one. Questionable $2,500 hoodie makes you look like you were plucked out of Minecraft. The pixelated silk pants that you've been searching for are here as well. Uh, is this fat for a fashion show or is it to actually use? I always wondered that. Is it like inspiration or do you wear this? It's $2,500, so I'm not buying it to wear it on this show for the purpose of the gag. Although that would be really weird looking. Hey, just a guy on a show wearing that, and you're like, is this guy a cartoon or? But I feel like this is like in full effect. If you're sitting around or like just walking normally, like the effect of this pixelated thing would not hold too well. Can I just ask you a question? Okay. Man cave or caveman? Which one sounds better? Man cave or caveman? Go ahead. I like cave. Go, go ahead. I like caveman. Okay. Uh, yeah, it makes it look like you're in a retro type of game, and oh god, is the lower part? Oh, that I, that weirds me out. The skin tone of the lower part. <laughs> oh, I've got I you there. I didn't know what you were scrolling into there. Uh, the way it's it's quite quite a confusing look. So, who's responsible for this? The Pixel Collection, Low from Low. It was at Paris Fashion Week in October, and the listing of the products includes the $2,500 hoodie, $3,400 purse, $2,500 pants, $1,850 for the t-shirt, and $790 for the denim skirt. So very affordable prices. Uh, I don't know if, if Balenciaga approves of any of this. I doubt it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's our future. Fewer pixels. I doubt it. Yeah. That's kind of cool uh, web web design. You would have been proud of something like that at one point. In your oh, life. yeah. Yeah. This so is, responsive. This is fun. So responsive. So what if I want to buy one? You just buy it right now? Let's see how that experience goes. Give me the hoodie. You want the hoodie. Yeah, I want the hoodie. And give me a large. Oh, all right. Sold out already. Uh, Damn, dude. Well, that didn't... Can you fit... You can't fit into... Why are you putting extra small on there? It does look oversized. I mean, look at how high fashion this is. Oh, oh, you can be like that for only three grand? Come on, Will. That's you. (laughs) I don't mind it. That's you, man. man. I'm not going to buy it. For the purpose of this show, though. You walk around like this. You put those shades on. Imagine you just go, you're like, there's you, and you go to Costco, and you look like that. What kind of energy do you think you're getting back in your direction? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, they they would kick me out immediately. Somebody calls it CSS drip, go hard. Oh, okay. Right? Okay, yeah. You're, you know about the cascading style sheets, don't yeah. you? <laughs> yes. Thank you very much, everybody, who joined here today. Thank you to the sugar cinnamon crisps. Crisps. That kept me going and fueled right up. Uh, thank you to everybody who left the super chats here today and the regular chats. Contributed in one way or another. Thank you to the 2 a.m. crowd uh, that's watching from all over the world. Well, whatever time you happen to be watching at, it's wonderful for us. Thank you for those that watch the clips, those that join us live, so on and so on and so on. Now go have some sugar cinnamon crisps. Crisps. Can you can you give me a crisps? You got to put the S at the end, though. Not singular, crisp. We're looking for the plural of the word crisp. Can you give it a shot? Crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it got to be that way? Later, guys.